Welcome to Our Tribe, the podcast that sits down with Jewish professionals and entrepreneurs to hear their stories, share their advice, and bear their Jewish souls. Now here's your host, Rabbi Tovia Kopsty. Welcome back to Our Tribe, the podcast. Tuvia Kopstein here. And in this episode, we have the pleasure of sitting down with Sean, a.k.a. Zisha Littman. Or perhaps it's more appropriate to say Zisha, a.k.a. Sean Littman. And Sean slash Zisha is a leader in the nonprofit marketing world. He's done a lot over his career. He's got a great story. He's a personal friend of mine. And so there's a great chemistry over here in this conversation, in my humble opinion, we hope you enjoy this episode of Our Tribe, the podcast with Sean Zisha Littman. Hey, welcome back to Our Tribe, the podcast. We are here today with Sean, aka Zisha Littman, coming at us from Ramat Beit Shemesh, Israel. And you may all not know this, but Sean is not only a great guy and a holy Jew, but Sean also produces Our Tribe, the podcast, and the whole, the whole concept was really his and in many ways. And so we're going to talk about podcast production and so much more. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. That was a really good intro. I, I, I'm, I'm flattered. I, I really am. And it, it is true. We do produce your show. And part it wasn't all my idea, but definitely it definitely a good chunk of it was. And I'm happy that we can come on. I can come on the show and sit down with you because I guess you, not only do you find me interesting and a great producer, but I must have an interesting story that you want to sit down and share this with your students. Yeah, I de- yeah, I definitely want to hear about this, but I have to ask you the the question that's really probably nagging everybody is that. Is this question it, in order to be a podcast producer and the guy who is introducing a show do you have to have that radio voice um maybe you know when i started my fir- when i launched my first podcast um i i created the intro and the outro myself because i was i want i'll be honest i wanted to save money and people are like well this is really good who did this i was like i did it it's like well you have a radio voice man and i was like i guess so you know it 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 could be, but you're, you're good too. You're very, very good. Okay. And I, I, I don't, I, I find that it's, you know, it brings out that when you're doing podcasting and you start that, you have that radio voice, I guess, that personality, it brings out a lot in the episode and brings out a lot in the show. It, it creates a certain sense of excitement. That's what oh, yeah. we're going for. Okay. Very good. Okay. So Zisha, Sean, what are you about? Tell us, what where, tell us your, your origin story. Tell us what you're doing. Let's, my let's origin story. It sounds like I'm part of a Marvel movie, but okay. Yeah. Um, my my origin story. Well, I'm actually based. Uh, I'm I'm based in Israel now. I've been here for about 15 years, and I am originally from Oak Park, Michigan. For those who are listening, Rabbi Kopsky is also from Detroit. And I, I live I'm, in Detroit. To, I, I'm not from Detroit, but I we've been living here for about as long as you've been in Israel. Well, that's, and that's why our overlap has definitely been very interesting, but I, I, I was, I'm originally from Detroit. I grew up in Oak Park. Um, and it, you know, I've, I went through, actually, I went through the public school system. I was in, I was in the Berkeley schools for 12 years and all the while I had a very strong inkling to be in involved in, in the Jew, in the, in the Orthodox world. Because it all started when I, if for those who are from Michigan listening, Oak Park in the community, um, there we JCC hockey every Sunday was like the place to be. And I used to play sports, not anymore. I'm rather, I'm 
not, not so much anymore. But I became friends with a lot of the local kids who were going to the day schools. <clears throat> and I, I wanted to, you know, I liked them. They were nice kids. They had good, they had good, um, how do you say in English, midot? And they, they were nice you know, kids. They were nice. <laughs> they were nice kids. <laughs> okay. And so somehow I wound up in going to the, the day camp of one of the local schools. And I said, this was great. This was a load of fun. And I was like, I wonder what the rest of the year is like. So my mother being in Jewish education and the old joke was that if we didn't become religious, then my mother would have been the rabbi of the conservative shul. Thank God. Thank God. She, no, no. But, you know, so my mother being in Jewish education for a little bit, she's like, okay, fine. So we, we understood, we knew how to read the Chumash. We knew the Parsha. And so I said, okay, so we went over to the school. I was in third grade. And they, I said, I, they said, we're interested in sending our son to the school. So the principal at the time, um, he said, okay, so let's give you a little test to see where you're holding. So he opened up the Chumash and I, I read the, I read the Psukim and he said, okay, so now can you read uh, Rashi script? And I said, huh? What is that? And he said, oh, so you don't know Rashi? I said, no. He said, well, everybody in your, in your grade knows how to read Rashi and translate Rashi. So we don't think this is going to be very ideal for you. So they kind of said, basically said, thanks, but no thanks. And I felt very dejected from there. But me, my personality, I have a very strong desire to succeed and a very strong desire to, to, to win in, in a sense. So whatever I set my mind to, I, I tend to, I tend to with, with God's help succeed. Are you a and, second child by, by any chance? I am. How did you guess? <laughs> I once read these uh, psychology things. I happened to be a second child myself. And I was trying like deep down. It was, there was always the, this, this desire to, you know, show up the eldest child. And, and yeah. I was also very, you know, very determined personality. So, okay. Yeah. Very interesting. Maybe there's some truth to it. So, so basically I, you know, I felt dejected. I felt, I felt very upset. And, you know, my, my parents were, were very, they also felt a little dejected and upset. And I went through the next several years in the public school system, but all the while I, I kept having, um, I kept learning with different people. I was, I was involved with my friends on Shabbat and I was, I used to go to the, to, to my parents would go to the conservative shul and I would go to the steeple next door. And, you know, ironically enough, now my parents go to the steeple next door. And they're very active in the shtibel next door. <clears throat> and so. A shtibel being, for those who don't know, a, a small, more informal type of, of shul. And I believe basically, like, and, yeah. basically any shul in Detroit. Okay. <laughs> Almost. Almost. But, you know, so the, so I, I used to have different study partners. I had people who would learn, learn with me on the weekends and I, I ended up actually going to a, a religious camp. And one of my closest friends, I'll actually drop his name over here. My, my best friend of Rami Lorcas um, actually pushed me. His father, I used to learn with his father on a regular basis and leading up to my bar mitzvah. And they pushed me to go to this, to a, a, a religious camp in Toronto, um, Camp Agoda Toronto. And, and they were there, you know, I was involved in, with, with that. I was, I was, in, involved in in every aspect of the this stuff minus going to school with these kids and i still deep down wanted to end up in a yeshiva and so 
after after 12 years of being in the public school system, wearing my yarmulke, making jokes about it with my teachers, having fun with it. I used to wear, I used to have a keep a keeper with a Nike swoosh on it. I used to have a keeper with a Lacoste symbol on it. And my teacher's like, we didn't know Lacoste made yarmulkes. And I was like, you bet they do. Hmm. And, you know, I was, I was, I was, I had fun with it. You know, I, I, I rocked it. I had fun with it. And then, you know, I didn't let the past get me down. I didn't let the fact that, you know, I was, I was turned down from the yeshiva, like make or break the rest of my life. Cause I, my goal was, I want to go learn in, in, in a yeshiva. So after, after high school, I I sat down with the NCSY rabbi at the time for those, you know, and we, he opened up the big book yeshivas and he was a funny guy because he basically pinpointed all the yeshivas based around the, 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 the good yeshivas based around where you, where, where the best restaurants were. Cause he was pretty, pretty hefty fellow. So he's like, Oh, this yeshiva has got a good pizza shop around there. This one's got the, I was like, I don't really care. Just help me find the right place. So, you know, as my father says, all the money he saved by not sending me to, to, to school, to pri- private Jewish schools, he ended up paying for it for two years of yeshiva in Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up coming to, to Israel for two and a half years and I, I never left. Wow. And I end up getting, well, I end up going back to get married. My, my wife is actually from Detroit too. Um, five minute walk apart from my house. And I, I basically showed, came and never left. And I, I accomplished my goal of getting to, to the place of learning. And all the while I was, I was, you know, when I was in yeshiva too, the guy from public school was out learning most of the guys in, in the yeshiva. So that was a load of fun. Even. Wow. The more so by my bar mitzvah, I didn't mention this part, <clears throat> is that the pivotal point where my parents became religious was actually by my bar mitzvah, because at the time they were by the conservative school, and I was friends with all these local kids in the Orthodox community. And I said, you know, none of my friends are going to show up to my bar mitzvah because they got the microphones on Shabbos. And my parents were like, yeah, that's true. So they explored young Israel. They looked into the young Israel. My parents actually became really close with the rabbi at the time, Rabbi Spolter. And... Um, in fact, so much so that I came, I went to, you know, I was learning with the Rabbi Lorcas at the time for my bar mitzvah. He was teaching me the, the Torah reading. And I read the entire Parsha, Parsha's Mitzara, which is a massive amount of Sukkim for those who are familiar. And I read the entire Parsha with no mistakes. And this was the kid from public school who they, they kind of turned down. I was like, yep. And again, it's all my, it's the Ratzin that I have to succeed that I, you know, I, I keep pushing. And so I, like I said, I finally made it to, I finally made it to the yeshiva. I've been in Israel and never really left. When you came to yeshiva, you were with people who are in a similar situation as you that didn't go to today's nope. schools? Nope. I was in a, I was in a yeshiva called Der Chaim, and most 90% of the kids in that yeshiva, I was the 10% all went to different day schools or yeshiva high schools <clears throat> or, you know, of the like, I was, I was the 10%. Okay. There were 10 guys in the yeshiva. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, there was like 20, I think. So but I was, I mean, you and yeah. the other guy. Yeah, basically. Approximately. <laughs> Give or take a few, but, okay. <clears throat> but you know, and you said and, that you were, you were learning them. You were, you were out, outdoing them, outshining them. Does that mean that, uh, 
did they look up to you for inspiration or it was a competitive environment? Like I'm sure the it, people it was, it was competitive, but my, my secret to everything is, is don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Just focus on you. And you had that, you had that maturity of attitude even back then when you were 18 years old. Yeah. Because I didn't, I, my, my goal was to enhance myself. I didn't care what everybody else was doing. Wow. Okay. I, I hope I'm, I'm reflecting personally as you speak. I hope I'm there now, but I was 18 years old. It was definitely all about competition for me. <laughs> I hear that <laughs> for many people. And okay. Okay. So now tell us, so you got to, you got to Israel, go to this, this beginner's yeshiva for two years. At that point in time, you came back to get married or you were spent more time? So I was, I, I went, I actually, I spent two years at this place. And then at the, at the, at the behest of my rabbin, one of my rabbis, he said, you, you, you deserve better. You should go to a different place. And I ended up at a different yeshiva that I was pitched. The pitch was, you know, it's, it's for more advanced guys who have been here for a number of years. And, you know, it's, it'll be a better situation for you. So I went. I met them at when I'm, when I went to that, the place to take a look at it, it seemed like what I was pitched. And then when I showed up the first day, it was completely opposite. It was all these kids who were, who were like, it was a more, how, how you say, I was the out of towner. Yeah. I was the out of towner. They actually called me an out of town redneck because I was from Detroit, hmm. not from New York because New York is the epicenter of the world. And if you're not from New York, then you're, you're nothing. Um, and basically, so I ended up there and again, I kept going with that mindset of, I don't care what you're, you guys are doing. I'm doing me. And I, I had a, I, they, I had a, 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 part, a study partner who <clears throat> was, um, who was, who was, who was there as a tutor kind of thing. And we used to learn together every day and him and I finished, <clears throat> apologize, him and I finished all of, of Mishnayot in in one in the in the entire six months i was in the yeshiva and intense well yeah i mean basically it was in, in my old yeshiva what what i what would i do at lunch i would watch video i would watch movies on my computer at my new yeshiva i didn't have my computer so i was like what do i do now so we started learning mishnayot <laughs> so i actually finished mishnayot three times um and it was very exciting every single time that's a big for those who don't know that's a that's an incredible commitment <clears throat> of time and it's basically the distilled version of the entire oral torah which uh, all of the laws that are explained in the in the the torah in the five books of moses all of the laws that are touched upon in just maybe one verse or one one half of a verse are explained in much more detail in the mishnah and that's what it, it would take a, it would, actually i know i know because i'm trying to do this myself if you do 12 a day, then you can finish in a year. So if you're doing mm-hmm. it in six months, you're doing 24 a day, which could take a long time, especially if you're, it's new concepts that you're thinking. Yeah. Into. Yeah. Okay. Basically. <laughs> so tell us, how, how did you go from, at this point in your, in your life, you're a young adult, um, you're in the yeshiva. Uh, did you know what kind of career you go into or were you hoping to be a rabbi? Like what were you, what were you thinking? I, I at, at the time, my background was actually in creative arts. Sort of. When I was in high school, I focused <clears throat> mostly on video production, digital art, and graphic design because I didn't like anything else. And and music. I'm I'm a musician by trade. I'm I'm a very create. I'm a creative person, as you can see. I produce podcasts. I'm uh, that's one thing I do. I'm a creative person, and so <laughs> I, I had this idea. Maybe you go to film school, or maybe do this. And then at the behest of you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do because. 
you know, you get married, you, you, you either you go to college or you go to college or you do something. And my father always said college is a waste of my time and his money. And then my wife, bless her heart, it, the wonderful person that she is, she said, we're not going to stick around here. You know, we don't, we, you know, we're going to move to Israel. And I was like, you sure? And she's like, yeah, we're going to move to Israel and we're, and, and we're going to, we're going to start stuff there. I was like, okay, fine. You sold me. I had nothing because I, every job I had, I was working in like the local pizza shops. I was doing my, the only thing I knew in terms of work was, was working in food. And I had no, I, I, I never knew anything into marketing. I never knew anything into um, audio production. I never knew into anything into all this stuff. And so we moved to Israel and I was, I was learning in, I was learning in a, in a place in the morning and making 250 bucks a month for, at the time, that was pretty solid money. That's pretty good. Yeah. I remember yeah. those days I remember. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, you know, we were living in the middle of nowhere because it was cheap and we were poor and it, it was a nice religious area outside of Jerusalem, about 20 minutes outside Jerusalem. And I was trying to figure out what to do with myself. And so I, I worked a bunch of random odd jobs, random places. And also in the food industry? No, I worked at, 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 a, at a supermarket. Um, I was supposed to be the e-commerce manager for their online site, but then I ended up being the schlep boy stocking shelves, okay. um, which, you know, got to exercise. But I looked at that. That was a bracha because, you know, I had, I got, I had a job. I gained experience. I understood what was going on. And then I also worked for a Torah website, um, checking all their different bugs on their, on their, their softwares, their computer systems on their online systems, which, you know, that was something new for me at the time. Now I do this in my sleep, um, for my own, for my own sites. And I, I, we, you know, we do websites and custom code stuff, but you know, it was, it was all sorts of things. And then, I ended up getting a telesales. I quit working at the supermarket because it was just a God awful environment. And I ended up with Bisiata Dishmaya. I don't know how you say that in English, but heavenly with, assistance. Yes. Sorry for the help Jewish terms. Yeah. <laughs> help from God. Help from God. I ended up getting a telesales job selling recognition wall plaques to <clears throat> people who are recognized for bogus awards. They're written up in, in magazines and we would sell the wall plaques for $149 plus shipping. And I had never done telesales before and I was scared. And, you know, it was the first time I ever had done something like that. But my manager, she really, she's like, you're going to be great. Stop worrying about it. You're going to be great. And so I made that first call. I made that first call and I was freaking out. And I was just like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? She's like, calm down, breathe, do it again. So I did it. I did it again. And I did it again. I did it again. And I was just on fire. I was like, I like sales. So, and I'm pretty good at this. So I kind of started my background in sales and business development, or as they call it now, BDR, because they like to abbreviate things, business development representative. Oh. And um, I, I, I got really good into sales and really good into understanding products and the, the ins and outs of different products and how to sell it effectively. And I was one of the top guys in that company. And then they ended up folding that division and people were trying to figure out what to do, but I was really good at sales. So people wanted to hire me. And so I was like, okay, fine. I guess I'll be do work in sales. And I ended up working for a bunch of other random places and it was, it was okay. But then 
ultimately, you know, I worked actually for a number of years running a very large Jewish website um, called onlysimplas.com. You ran and OnlySimplas? I ran OnlySimplas. Were I was the, the guy. Were you the founder of OnlySimplas? Nope. I was okay. not the founder of OnlySimplas. They, but I was like the guy who ran OnlySimplas for many, for a couple, for maybe three years. And I, well, I had, wait, can I interject that only Simchas was a phenomenon like already 20 years ago, because I remember um, as I was getting involved at the end of college uh, with the, I guess what we call the Orthodox. Um, yeah. That, that <laughs> if anyone had an engagement or a birth or some kind of uh, celebration, a wedding, they could post, this was like the first sort of social site in the Jewish world where you could post the pictures of your, of your simcha and then anyone anywhere could see it so that yeah. was you know that was a phenomenon in in 2001 2002 mm-hmm. okay and you took over when i i was there in i think it was i think maybe like 2012 i don't know okay. but but maybe but you know it was selling ads on their website and working with different people man you know things like that and me being the, the, I didn't know it at the time, the product marketer of my, in myself, I, I used to come up with innovative ways to, to sell, to make them more money and create different products around what they were already doing to enhance their, <clears throat> their sales. And, you know, but the, the same time, they're also part of a, a num- another, a larger conglomerate of other Jewish websites where everyone was, was selling every, everything to everybody. And it got to a point where I was like, I can't do this anymore because I wasn't making any money. I wasn't making any commissions because everyone else was selling everybody else. So I came up with an, and they were also, they, they were hitting a ceiling at, you know, what we can sell already. Like no one wants banners. Nobody wants Instagram post. You know, we're hitting a ceiling. So I came up with an idea for them where we call it only Simcha's list, where they get vendors on the site charge a set price for the month. They had all the traffic. They had like 30,000 visitors on a monthly basis. They had the brand recognition. They were solid. And I said, we charge like 200 bucks an annual to get a listing on the site. People get the exposure and they, and people can find, you know, they come to see the engagement pictures. Ah, now we can see who's, what caterers there are, what halls there are, things like that. And they said, thanks, but no thanks. So I said, okay, thanks, but no thanks. It's been a pleasure working with you guys. You're wonderful human beings. I'm off to start my own thing. So, at, so after that, I literally I launched my 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 first official company outside of working for people called GoSimcha.com, and GoSimcha was the hub for all things Jewish events in the Simcha and Mitzvah space. My goal was to model it after the Not.com, where you can find everything for your wedding and event all in one place. And I created the product to mirror the Not and other similar sites. And we also created our first podcast called Go Simple the Podcast, where I interviewed famous Jewish singers and musicians to get a better understanding of who they are and what they're all about. And we used that as a means of drive traffic to the site. We got a bunch of vendors on the site. We built it up to a very significant amount of stuff. And then Corona happened and no one was making Simchas. Well, they were making events, but they were making very small events and vendors weren't making any money. So I felt bad calling them up and charging them. The sales guy in me was going, I was doing all the sales calls. And I was doing all the marketing and I was doing all the, the implementation and I was hosting a podcast and Corona happened and I felt bad calling these guys, asking them for 200 bucks because at the time 200 bucks is, you know, they got to eat. So we kind of put Go Simcha on pause 
we kept going with the podcast. We had three seasons over 80 episodes. We have, we still have ridiculous amounts of people listening to the show. And that spurned me into wanting to produce more podcasts for people. And because I found it very fun and very exciting. And I use that as a means to work, build my marketing agency, which we've gone through a number of different things we've done in the marketing space. I actually, you know, I started with Facebook ads, charging people 300 bucks a month. And now I charge 10 times that. Um, and we took all that and kept growing with it. And now we work with nonprofit organizations to help them grow and scale and maximize their marketing through Google for nonprofits and other means. And as I said, you know, the whole time, my routes, my, my desire to succeed kept pushing me. My mindset of, I don't care what everybody else is doing. I'm going to focus on me kept going. And the fact that I always said that I got into sales because it was a means to work on my Amuna and my Bitoha. And every day. Can you explain the concept there? Sure. It's, it's faith and trust in God is that you, you know, every day you wake up and you say, thank God I'm alive and thank God it's a new day. And, you know, when you're working for your, when you're working for somebody, you know, that you're getting paid no matter what, but when you work for yourself, you have to really, you, you eat what you kill and you have to really have tremendous faith and, and trust in God that he, that he knows what's going on. He knows he's taking care of you. And you know that, that it's going to be okay. Some days are going to be better than others. Like today, you know, I got, I had a few different meetings and they seemed like hopeful prospects, nothing panned out. And I said, okay, you know, it is what it is. It's all part of the plan because at the end of the day, God's not going to let you fail. And that's something that I've always, always kept with me. And I always know I have a whole board in my office <clears throat> that I write down every day. Thank you. Thank you, Hashem for X, for, for things. When, when the going gets tough, I sit down and I write, thank you, Hashem, for giving me another day to live. Thank you, Hashem, for giving me my life. Thank you, Hashem, for giving me the fact that I work for myself and I don't have to work for anybody else. And I can do whatever I want when I want. If I don't want to do something today, I don't have to do it. But, you know, it's all the means of trust and faith and trust in God and, and understanding that you don't, have, don't, don't quit because, because God's on top of it. Nice. Okay. I think so. I think it's nice. <laughs> Let me ask you, is, is Go Simcha, now that people are making weddings and things are pretty much back to where they were pre-COVID, is there any need for Go Simcha anymore? So there is. Unfortunately, we had to kill Go Simcha because we had a massive hack to our servers, oh. a, a huge malware hack to our servers that kind of leaked in through Go Simcha because that was our main site and it was our main component and it was kind of like you got to we it was like you know you got to kill you know unfortunately you know the saying you kill the mother to save the baby so it was the it was it was a it was it was sad it was upsetting but we uh, we met my dev team and i sat down and we said you know what it's okay it's all from god and when the time is right we'll relaunch it and we'll build it better okay yeah, but the podcast you said people are still listening to podcasts because that oh sure because you um you there's a, a great interest in in Jewish musicians at least among you know oh those, yeah sure I mean you know all about that right <laughs> for those for full disclosure um me and a friend a local friend here in Detroit have a podcast that is separate from our tribe and it's called the Jewish Music Platform it's it's a different angle than 
than Zisha's podcast. It's uh, more like the off the beaten path and emerging artists. And Zisha was going for the real, like the core of what people think when they, when, when Jewish music, you know, like the mainstream, yeah. like who's, 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 who are the hits who are, you know, who's, who well, are the new, the new releases, yeah. right? Is that true? Am I off? It, 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 it isn't, isn't, you know, I'll tell you, I, I found that the, in order to create a good show, you have to have, you have to have a story. And you have to have, you have to have something that engages part of what I teach people when we do podcasting is you have to have a means to engage people. If, if someone, if you're interviewing a guest who doesn't have much of a story and much to, to engage with, it's not going to be an exciting show. So I used to interview some of these guys, but you know, what I found was, you know, these, a lot of these guys were young and they're like, Hey, you know, I like Jewish music. I want to be a musician. I, you know, I, I can play a keyboard a little bit, you know, I can play, you know, I think I'm going to be a big, you know, but like, there was nothing interesting about it. I had some, one guy beg me for an interview and you know what happened? He wasn't very interesting. His like, to say the least, his music wasn't that great, but he, it turned out though I was, I was able to unravel in him. He's a fantastic writer you know, his lyrics are good, but you know, there was still not much story, but like sitting down with a guy like Neeson Black, who happens to be a good friend of mine, um, you know, sitting in, he's my neighbor. Yeah. Um, and he's also a good friend of mine. He was the reason I actually started my podcast. Yeah. I, I create, I'll tell you really quickly is I create, uh, we were looking for new content to create for only Simchas. And I, for one both, of my friends, only Simchas, or only Simchas for only okay. Simchas at the time. Yeah. Way back. And one of my friends happened to be Neeson's manager. And I was like, he's like, you should come down to the studio and we should do like a behind the music kind of interview. We'll get cameras, set everything up, make a whole thing. So we did. And I was like, this is really cool. Too bad. We, we should do this with other people. I was like, but logistically it just wouldn't make sense. So I was like, all right, let's do a podcast instead. So that kind of like was the, was the fire that started the podcast. <clears throat> but you know, like if, if you don't have an interesting story, people aren't going to stick around. It's like anything in marketing. If the offer, if you don't have a good offer and you don't have a good funnel, like you're, you're going to lose people. You got to have, you got to have an, you have, you got to have something that's going to gain their interest. So, you know, it, it, the podcast gets a lot of hits because part of what I did was I didn't ask this stand because it peeved me so much. Like these other guys would interview these, these people and just hit them about their albums, hit them about like the questions that everyone wants to know. I wanted to find out who these people were, who like the, who the person was and extract that information from them and get them to share their story, what their deal was. I would always open up the, the show with my intro be like, so what's your deal? You what know? are you coming? What's, what's your, they always say, what, what do you have to bring to the table? What, what's unique exactly. about you? In, in Yiddish, there's a saying, there's a, there's a, there's a saying, you can ask your, your musical partner about this. It's called Tuchus Ofen Tish. Lay your cards out on the table. Okay. That's a nice way of saying it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of, you know, what, 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 what I do in a sense. And, but again, it all comes down to, you know, that, that faith and trust in, in God and knowing that it's all part of the plan and that you, you know, even if you feel like you're going to, you want to, you want to give up, and even if you feel like the, it, it's, it's problematic, like, you know, I'm dealing with something right now in my business that's causing me a lot of frustration, but I keep saying to myself every day, it, it's all part of the plan. What are you dealing with? 
Um, I'd rather not get into it, but it's, it's a, it's an issue with, with the government over here in Israel and the tax authorities that that's not something that it's out of, it's out of my control. It's all, but you know, it's a very frustrating situation, but what are you going to do? It's all, it's all part of the plan. Are there, uh, are there obstacles to doing business while living in Israel that, that you don't find in other places? Yes, actually. Um, I find that here they're not so um, friendly to small businesses and they're not so like um, lax with things. In America, any, 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 guy, any guy can go open up an LLC, set up a company, get funded with, with loans from here, there and everywhere. And you, you have all the means to, to start, start a business and succeed in theory. Here, there's there's hurdles upon hurdles and red tape and red tape. They ta- there's there's taxes that come left, right, and center. You have you have to you have to un- you have to know how to really work the system and be able to understand what's going on and have people who really understand the system. Part of my philosophy is also I align myself with people who who know more than I do. If I don't know something, I, I go to them. I also align people. I also align myself with people. I take. I only take advice from people who can back it up with their wallet. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Meaning, if if you don't have a proven track record for success, I'm not going to. I'm going to be very hesitant to take your advice. And you know, thank God, I have a number of different mentors, a number of different people who I who I associate with, who are are very, very, very good with, to work with. And I have a very good accountant here who knows what he's doing. A very, very holy id who knows what he's doing. And there, there are, it's, it's insane, but again, it all comes back to trust and faith in God. As if you, if you, you, you have to really, really have that trust and faith in God in order to, to succeed. It's spiritual economics. It's it's spiritual economics, because you know you you see that some some days some days and some months it's good, and I find that when it, in certain months like closer to maybe the Yom Tovim the high holidays or other things, there's there's more increase in the means of what you're gonna get, and I see also I can see how certain things play out in 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 terms of what what God wants to get, wants to allot to me, because we all know that all your money, all your parnosa, all your, all your everything is, is given to you on Rosh Hashanah. Um, Rosh, yeah. Decided and for you. Decided for you. And, and then, then it's signed, sealed and, and delivered on Yom Kippur. And, and then, you know, so you can see how, so once you live with that men- mindset and understanding, you see that everything was already planned out. And you just have, you just have to take it one step at a time. Okay. So can you tell me um, what is it about living in Israel that you that you like? What do I like about it? I mean, what what is the what is the your wife your wife said you know there's no reason to live here in Detroit. Let's go to Israel, and you didn't really know what you were doing. But what was the what what do you think is the most redeeming? I mean, you're talking about the troubles that you're having. What what's most redeeming the, about about being there? The the redeeming qualities of Eretz Israel of Israel are one, school tuition is a significantly cheaper. <laughs> My kids go to private school and I'm paying significantly cheaper than you're paying for your kids. 
um, and also the quality of education, the quality of raising your children here um, is is significantly better. The fact that you are living in the in in the Holy Land, you're living in God's country, and you see you see miracles, you see things here happen every day. I find I I used to tell this to people that I always found that like living in Israel is like having God's cell phone number. And living in America, you kind or outside of Israel, you kind of have to go through the answering service first a little bit. It's like having God's email address. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I find that I, and then it, yeah, I find that living here, you there's in in terms of spirituality, in terms of like means of just everything in general. Yes, there, it there's certain things that aren't great, you know. They decided to raise the, raise the electric the the price of electric in August for some silly reason because that's the month that everyone runs their air conditioners. <clears throat> but you're you're living in a in a place that is is filled with 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 holiness. Even in like places like you know there's there's always sparks of holiness wherever you go. When I used to work in Tel Aviv uh, for the god awful six months I worked in Tel Aviv. I, I, you know, you feel like supermarket. No, this was I was working in a call center selling lottery tickets. Okay. Um, not very fun, but the but the highlight of that was it was it was on it was Hanukkah. I was heading back to the train station, and I I needed to have a mincha, and I was like, where am I going to find a minion around here? And all of a sudden, some big like wait wait Sean, I'm just just for the benefit of and someone. The, the, those few people that may not know what you're talking about what did you need to do i needed to pray the afternoon prayers okay and what did you need what did you not have i needed a prayer quorum of 10 10 men over the age of 13 got it thank you was that was that a good google translate good excellent <laughs> and so there was all this, i'm walking to the train station and this guy comes out this big israeli guy comes out he's wearing a t-shirt and jeans or whatever and he's like, he says in Hebrew, Esali, Esala. I said, I said, what? He, he said, he said, we need, we need a 10, 10th person. So I was like, okay. So the guy grabs me by the arm. He pulls me down this dank, dungy, dank staircase under like some, some, I don't even know where I was. Train and we walk. No, yeah, maybe. No. And we walk into this little tiny room, no bigger than like a, a closet. And there's ten, there's ten Israelis, all different types of people there. There's a there's a rabbi giving giving a lecture, and they're passing out donuts, and they're like, "It's time to pray." I was like, "Well, look at that." And I walked out. I was like, "You can find sparks of holiness wherever you are, even in even in the lowest places in in it, that you would think in Israel." And you got a donut. And I got a donut. I got wow. a donut. That's the best. That that was that was that was amazing. I, I walk. I got on the train. I was like, "Oh, this is you know." I, I felt it, it elevated the rest of my day, and that that's why you know, this is that's why I I I love being here because you 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 shine you shine the light on the darkest places here. You feel the the holiness where you're going, and it's it's just a a means of you know. Like I said, everybody's situation is different. You know, I happen to move here. I had no kids. I had no money, had nothing. I, we, we moved here and, and that was it. You know, some people, they want to move here, but different constraints, different things, you know, you do you again, my philosophy, I don't care what you're doing. 
I'm doing, I'm doing me. Okay. Now, just one more question. Um, I think, unless you say something really interesting, it leads to another question. Uh, mm. Tell me about what are you bringing to the table when you are approaching a nonprofit? Because I know there's lo- lots of people interested in nonprofits. They, everyone has a cause that they, that they identify with. And you need the nonprofits to, to get to bring those things to, to bear. So yeah. what, what? Yeah. Yeah. So what, what does, what you, you run a nonprofit marketing like, so what's, what's specific, what's interesting about nonprofit marketing? Like what's, what, what's going on over there and what is like, so, what's unique about nonprofit marketing as opposed to for-profit marketing? So I'll tell you, first of all, it, there, in, 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 the, in the, in the technical differences, there's not much. It's, it's the same, it's the same, it's the same, it's the same techniques. It's the same tools, different variables, but on the underlying, the reason I ended up pivoting towards nonprofits specifically is I find that, you know, there's more, there's more meaning to it. There's more, there's more depth to organizations because their, their initial goal is not to make, you know, everyone wants to make money, but they, there's, there's a meaning behind what they're doing. And there's a, there's a reason why someone decided to start an organization. One of the main things I tell people when I'm giving consultations is you have to run your organization like a business. You can't run it like a passion project because it's going to tank and and you're going to lose everything. If you run it like a business, then you're going to, you're going to see your, your, your dream and your passion and actualize the potential the organization has in order to effectively go out there and do what you want it to do. And part of what I do that makes me a little bit unique is I go at it from a holistic perspective from my, with my sales background and every, and my product marketing background is I kind of approach it from the, the whole thing. Like, I'm not just going to set up your ad campaigns and, and walk away. We're going to go dig, dive deep and figure out how we can actually actualize your mission, grow your list, cultivate new donors and get you to growth and scale and thrive. And, you know, again, with nonprofits, there's more, there's more meaning to it, I find. And some organizations are, are better, more marketable than others, depending on what you're doing, but you have to be open to letting go and trusting other, trusting other people to, to work with you, to actualize your vision and actualize your mission. And that means you're talking about yourself, right? You have to, the person running the organization has to let the marketer the marketer or anybody thing. who's coming in to give outside advice and things like that. You know, I have one rule. I say, if you listen to me, you'll be very successful. If you don't listen to me, you'll be very unhappy. Hmm. That's not, that's pretty confident. I, I stand by it and, and you can go to our, our, our social pages and see all the testimonials written out for you. Okay. So if somebody wants to, if somebody has a great idea, a cause, and they want to start a nonprofit, how do they get in touch with you? So you can visit my website, catch22nonprofit.com. You can send me a WhatsApp. Um, I generally respond. I'll give you my phone. I'll actually give you my phone number. Uh, I, I'm not shy of that. You can email me. I, 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 but I, I personally prefer phone calls. So you can WhatsApp me. We can book a time to speak. And I like talking to people on the phone because I find when you talk to somebody on the phone, you can connect more with them. I also, I, you can connect more with them and you can pick up more of their personality and who they are. And then you can adapt to them 
in order to see if it's going to be a viable relationship. Mm-hmm. Text, I absolutely can't stand texting. I hate people who just sit and text, no offense to you. Um, <clears throat> but I'm not saying that I do that. I know. I only I text people that, that uh, tell me they prefer text. I know. But I, I, I can't stand when people text me because you, you only, it's a one-dimensional conversation. And things get lost in the sauce. And if we're going to connect and we're going to work with you to help you grow, I want to be able to understand you as a person, understand you as an organization, understand how I can help you succeed. And that you do with live conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Is there anything, Zisha Lieberman, is there anything that you hope that we would talk about you wanted me to ask and I didn't ask that we should cover over here? I think, I think you did a great job. I, I think, well. I think, I think this was a very, I, I, I think he asked, asked me all the right questions. I, I think that I answered them appropriately. And I think that um, I, I don't think there's anything else I can think of, but <clears throat> this was, this was great. I'm really happy that you decided to have me on your show. And I think that um, it was it was a very good experience and I like doing podcasts. I like coming on people's shows because it's, it's very, very fun. And if any, if you guys are out there listening, if you want to learn how to create a podcast to grow your community and to gain more donors like Rabbi Kopstein is doing, um, feel free to get in touch with me. Um, we also, we do podcasting, we do websites and we work with Google for nonprofits. And for those who aren't familiar with Google for nonprofits, it's a $10,000 a month search ad grant that Google offers to organizations to be able to enhance their, their search ability, grow their email list, grow their, grow their volunteer base, do all sorts of things. And we, we are one of the few, the proud and those who specialize in it. So if you're interested in getting that taken care of, you can, I'll, I'll put a link to my calendar. You can book a free 15 minute consultation with me. It's always free and I'm always happy to help. Okay. Thank you so much, Zisha. I really appreciate your time and your sharing, opening up your world and sharing your story with us. And I'm sure that the audience will as well. Pleasure. You know, again, it's an absolute pleasure. And I hope you, I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. I think I did. I can't tell you because I'm not you, but I enjoyed it. I definitely enjoyed it. All right. Well, enjoy listening to it again when we edit it. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. My pleasure. All the best. Yep. You've just listened to another great episode of Our Tribe, the podcast, brought to you by the Podcast Fellowship and hosted by Rabbi Tovia Kopstein. Tune in each week, every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time to hear more great episodes of Our Tribe, the podcast. If you have any suggestions or questions, email us at ourtribe at podcastfellowship.org. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to help the tribe thrive.